Welcome back to the show, everybody. Happy holidays this week. Uh, if you're listening to it during the holidays, this is releasing right around Christmas time and solstice, winter solstice. We've got a big one this year. And yeah, 2020 has been really incredible. Uh, Matt Belair is the guest today. He is uh, a friend of a friend who is now one of my dear brothers. You know, just an incredible, incredible guy who bridges the gap between a lot of what appears to be scary and uncertain in the external world that we're all inhabiting. And at the same time, very basic principles that he's learned from different medicine men and uh, indigenous cultures on how to navigate this space that we're in. So I will leave it there for the intro. He is uh, just fantastic. I know you guys are going to dig this episode. There's a few ways you guys can support this show. Number one, click subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. Two, leave us a rating, five-star rating preferred with one or two ways the show's helped you out in life. And number three, support our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Bioptimizers. If there's one mineral you should be worried about not getting enough of, it's magnesium. Magnesium is the body's master mineral, powerful over 600 critical reactions, including detoxification, fat metabolism, energy, even digestion is influenced by the presence of magnesium. And there are two big problems here. Magnesium has been largely missing from the U.S. soil since the 1950s, which explains why it's estimated that up to 80% of the population may be deficient. And most supplements contain only one or two forms of magnesium, when in reality, there are at least seven that your body needs and benefits from. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new magnesium product that I've been taking now called Magnesium Breakthrough. It's the ultimate magnesium supplement, easily the best I've ever seen or experienced with all seven forms of this mineral. And I'm even more excited because it's finally back in stock. These guys keep selling out super fast, but they have stocked up and created a little a little cart just for my listeners. So that way there is a reserve for anybody that wants to get this. And I guarantee it's the best deal available on this product, period. Period. You can save up to 40% off select packages, and you're going to get at least 10% off using the coupon code KINGSBOO10 in all caps, K-I-N-G-S-B-U. 10 and you're going to save up to 40% on select packages of magnesium breakthrough. All this is even better than you can find on Amazon. Just go over to www.bioptimizers.com slash Kingsboo and use the coupon code Kingsboo10 to save up to 40%. Of course, we'll link to all this, all these wonderful sponsors in the show notes. We're also brought to you by PowerDot. PowerDot is incredible. It's incredible for athletic performance. Uh, it improves muscle recovery, supplements strength training, and effectively warms up the muscles to improve post-activation performance. So this activates the nervous system as well. It's a natural pain relief. It blocks pain signals and promotes the release of endorphins. And it's great for injury rehab. You can improve blood circulation and get more nutrients to improve recovery and activate muscles in a non-load-bearing environment to fight muscle atrophy. Basically, little tiny muscles going away while you're hurt. So lots of good stuff here. They've got Smart Recovery AI. It integrates with Strava and Apple Help, Apple Health, tracks your workouts, and provides customized recovery programs based on your activities. And it can guide you through each program from start to finish. They have in-app education with a news feed so you can learn from professionals and explore content that will help you become a better athlete, as well as a forum so you can connect with other PowerDot users and learn how they're getting the most out of their device. And they've got a really cool product bundle they're doing right now called the Pro Bundle. It's the Duo plus three extra sets of pads. It stimulates two areas at once so you can spend less time recovering, save 25 bucks, and an additional 20% off with the coupon code KKP. That's 20% off to all listeners with code KKP. All you got to do is head over to powerdot.com and use the coupon code KKP at checkout. 
We are also brought to you by Lucy. Lucy is one of my favorite ways to consume nicotine, and it is a nicotine gum as well as a nicotine lozenge. It's founded by Caltech scientists who were former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative and researched and developed for three years. They created nicotine gum with a four milligram nicotine that has three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate. You can use this anywhere. Uh, That's the best part about it. In the gym, on a flight, at work. Anywhere you're at, this can be consumed. And nicotine is one of the very best nootropics on the planet. Many of you have heard me talk about this before. And the reason that I am a fan is because it fits into acetylcholine receptors. And all nootropics are trying to increase acetylcholine in the brain. That's what gives us language, memory, recall, you name it. Cognitive function is improved when we get more acetylcholine into the bloodstream or we attach to the acetylcholine receptors nicotine. It works fantastic. You can use it anywhere and you guys are going to get a whopping 20% off any order. Go to lucy.co, that's L-U-C-Y dot C-O and use promo code KKP at checkout for all my listeners, 20% off. Last but not least, we are brought to you by Sovereignty. These guys, many of you heard me talk about their fantastic product for energy and cognitive function called Purpose. And even though that's been sold out while they work on the second version of that coming soon, teaser trailer, they have also created the very best for sleep remedies and it's called Dream. Uh, They use a number of adaptogenic herbs similar to to purpose, but on the downside that are going to get you to relax and get your best night's sleep, as well as more critical nutrients from the cannabis plant like CBN, which will for sure get you to get your most restful night's sleep of all time. And just like with purpose, they're doing the best money back guarantee of all time, but only if you use the coupon code. So not not only will they give you 100% of your money back, but they will buy you your favorite sleep product in addition if you don't like it. So check it out over at HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot C-O slash Kyle. That's Sovereignty.co slash Kyle. And you'll get that all in the show notes here. And without further ado, my boy, Matt Belair. All right, we're rolling. Matt Belair, thanks for joining me, brother. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. Incredible. So we got we got a mutual friend, Christian Pity, who's introduced us. And um, he told me about you a long time ago, actually, like right when he first got to On It. He was talking about, you know, the the synchronicities of life when we we're getting in all that. And right when he first came here, I think he met you at South by Southwest. You know, was talking about what a, such an important meeting that was and turned me on to your podcast. And uh, I remember the first time that I watched... Um, Pandemic two indoctrination, you know, hearing, having met uh, both those guys, you know, Del, or not Del Big Tree, but Mickey Willis, as well as Dr. David E. Martin, and then hearing that David E. Martin had been introduced to Mickey Willis from you. And I was like, holy shit, man. I mean, that whole documentary happens because of that link up. So thank you for that, brother. Oh, man, my pleasure. Well, it was, you know, it was interesting because I was in a group and uh, since the beginning of the uh series of events that we're in now, because we can't use that word because I've been deleted everywhere. So I'm just going to not even use it. Um, You know, somebody posted something from David in the group and I was like, this guy's extraordinary. So I just reached out and he's like, yeah, I'd be willing to come on your show. And it was like the first podcast he had done. And so then people reached out to me. Then all of a sudden um, he gets interviewed on London Real Pandemic 2, like seen by like tens of millions of people. I'm like, oh my goodness. And his, you know, he's explained it to me several times and I still don't understand it. I think his best explanation is his interview with Robert Kennedy Jr. But this like separate internet software 
patent system he has, like all the patents from 1776. So all this information you shouldn't be able to find. That's what his system does. And so that's how he's able to expose all of the um, things from Moderna and all these other players that have a huge financial interest. Yeah, it's been massive. And we've, we've had him on. He's unpacked quite a bit of that for, for people that haven't heard. Refer back to the Mickey Willis ep- episode, Del Bigtree, and, and of course, Dr. David E. Martin. But let's let's dive into you. You're an author, an athlete, a coach, and a speaker. Um, you obviously know the right people, and you've been cued in. You've been censored for a very long time, which tells me that you're fucking tracking all the important stuff that you should be. Um, talk about your life growing up and what got you into martial arts, coaching, and everything that you're into now. Yeah, well... I'd say as, as early as I can remember, it was martial arts the whole time. And, and I was watching these, you know, Kung Fu movies and my dad was a martial artist. And, um, right from the beginning, they, they taught about mind, body, spirit. And now you're a martial artist. I've watched you fight. And, uh, so I'm familiar with your work and who you are as well. And so I think that we can agree that martial arts is a very empowering, well, not even a sport, but a way of life. If, if done correctly, you, you can learn everything through the martial arts lens. And I think that Bruce Lee has a quote saying something along those lines that, you know, everything I've learned, you know, I've learned through martial arts, I can apply it everywhere. And so from a very young age, I was interested in mind, body, spirit. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time. And in my teenagers, uh, teenage years as an athlete and was using some of the martial arts stuff, but also very curious about consciousness and what was going on here. The world didn't make any sense to me. It was like Neo from the matrix. Like something is wrong with this. I, we didn't have cable. So we had two channels. And every morning I would just see kids starving to death. And I was like, rice isn't expensive. Like, how can there be all these multimillionaires and, and we're totally fine? And, and I was like, what if like all our community got together, chipped in 10 bucks, right? The whole population and they'd have rice forever. Like, why don't we care about these people starving to death? My brain just couldn't compute it. And then also the exploration of human potential, because I was looking at these Shaolin monks be able to break brick. And, and at the time I couldn't discern movies. Uh, you know, <laughs> other movies from real life, but that curiosity was always there. And in my teenage years, I learned how to lucid dream. And that was a really huge awakening as far as what consciousness was, right? I was like, if I can wake up in this reality and then it's also real, then what the hell is this and what's going on here? And so those questions kind of carried me. And, you know, my early twenties, I went snowboarding in Whistler and I became an international snowboard coach for, uh, you know, a bunch of years. And was still looking at sports psychology, human performance, consciousness, and spirituality. And so, you know, my thought was if, if Buddha can achieve enlightenment, I can achieve enlightenment. You know, if all these masters were here, there's got to be some way that I can do it. And I really like the uh, Yogananda's book, The Autobiography of a Yogi. It seems to be the most um, recent story that I believe of somebody achieving a very high level um, state of awareness. I'm sure there's other people out there that people would mention and, and agree with. And then you've got people like Wim Hof. And so when I was kind of done with my snowboarding, you know, snowboarding 150 days a year, you know, living that kind of life. And it was amazing. I wanted to put myself in the environment with the best people, you know, to see and hunt down those people who could actually do it and see for myself if it were legit. Because as I've gone through, I learned about things like deception, black magic, manipulation. And I feel like it's something a lot of people don't address. And so the way that I refer to black magic is somebody like Yuri Geller. Do you know who Yuri Geller is? No. Okay. So Yuri Geller was a guy back in the eighties that would do this spoon bending, right? So we would go on all these late night talk shows and he would say, I can bend this spoon with my mind. Now you and I, and your audience is probably like, 
you know, we've got these powers, like we're, we're more powerful than we can imagine. Right. I've always thought that too. And so he's going out there and he's bending his spoon with his mind. And we're like, yes, he can do it. You know, we're all excited. And then we go to a seminar or whatever. And uh, we don't know it's an actual magic trick. He's using deception. Now they use this in martial arts as well. They'll show you breaking a brick or doing all these different things um, with their body. But lo and behold, they've got a trick there. So a more recent example is when I went to the Parliament of World Religions and I had been apprenticing and studying with a Native American elder who, as a side note, you'd be interested in. I was trying to figure out if he's full of crap or not because his stories were really extraordinary. He's got nunchucks in his house. He's like this small Native American guy. He picks him up. He looks like Bruce Lee with nunchucks. He's got this iron ball that's like 27 feet, right? And we're going to the beach and he's swinging this thing around like the Shaolin monks I trained with in China. And I'm just like, what? Like he's got at least a mastery of that. So I'm like, he's like, yeah, you can take out horses and things like that. And I trained the, uh, shoot, I'm dropping on what their names are. There's a name for them. Oh, otters. And these are apparently the Native American version of Navy SEALs. And I was like, okay, like this is intense. Um, So I wanted to know what the limits of consciousness were. And so when you try to to show up in person, you get a lot more information. So I wanted to become enlightened. So I figure I'll go meditate with Buddhist monks. And, you know, if anybody's enlightened, it's going to be them. And I trekked Mount Everest and almost died. And that's a whole other story. We'll just skip for now. (laughs) (laughs) So, but they were, they were so grounded. You know what I mean? Like they they were incredibly beautifully grounded um, as a culture and as a people. Then I trained mixed martial arts in Thailand because I wanted to be, I want to know how to effectively fight because you, if you and I fight, I know I'm going to get my butt kicked. That's just what it is. But most other people, I'm going to kick their butt because there's a level of training and knowledge and effective techniques. You know what I mean? There's levels to the game and you got to respect that. So I want to know, you know, the real deal. But then I went to uh, train in China with the Shaolin monks. And these are the people that apparently can break stone and brick and do all this kind of magical stuff. And so when I'm there, they're pretty magical and it's high up in the mountains in China. And one of the masters, his name is Master Go, he can break stone with two fingers um, like they're, they're about an inch thick and I have videos of this. Um, he can break thicker pieces over every, like head, break some over his head, elbows, knees. And so we're, I, I get, I get him on an interview. And so I want to know if this is real. I didn't come all this way to China to be fooled. You know what I mean? And so, um, uh, I go, what's the trick? And the translator is sitting there and she's like, he translates to him. He's like, no trick. Right. And then I was like, come on, like, what's the trick? Like, do you, do you do this or whatever? He's like, no trick. So I say again, what's the trick? Cause I am not, I want to know this is legit. And he just starts slamming his fingers down on the desk, super hard. This like oak desk or whatever is made out of. And he just says years. He had spent like seven years of, of hard qigong conditioning the fingers. So outside the academy, part of the training, we had to kick and punch trees. There was dent holes in the trees from them poking them. They were normal trees, but they had, you know, inch, you know, quarter inch dent holes from the trees. Years, they said years, years of qigong. And so merging those two worlds together, then he says, I direct my energy into my fingertips. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Or whatever point in my body. And so I said, well, why don't you just do it all the time? Like, you know, do it tomorrow. It's like, well, I might hurt myself. And so it was, it was very real. And so I feel like this, it's this combination of two worlds that are merged together that really show what human performance is. And so I do believe that the, the limits of human potential are, boundless we don't even know what we're capable of but at at the same time we have people that are haven't achieved a level of mastery 
masquerading as masters. And if you're kind of a newbie, you don't know, like those jujitsu guys that go around and get the fake jujitsu guys. I saw a couple of those videos kind of funny, right? So there's level, there's levels of mastery. And so I feel like it's something just to be paid attention to, but also aspire to like, my thought was if I applied that level of discipline to anything of meaning, to anything of purpose, I, I must be successful if I don't give up. That's incredible. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a good point to make too because everyone's seen like the Joe Rogan post these ridiculous videos of, you know, the guy literally just tai chiing people away or using his chi to to throw like you know attacker after attacker away from him, and then there's been a couple videos show up where the old master gets put in an MMA ring or a cage with an with a mixed martial artist who's also Chinese, same weight, and just gets murked. You know, like yeah. in the first 30 seconds, you know, gets his nose crushed. That guy has to flee the country because now everybody and their mom's after him. Like, no, you destroyed the master. We're going to fucking kill you. So it, th- these people are protected and they protect the facade of mastery. And everyone who plays into that is is really doing everyone else a disservice. You know, that's that's one of the things like um, the beauty of jujitsu is that you spar so often, you know, what's real and what isn't. And you could have every imagination in your head on what's going to work, but it's not point sparring. You know, like you're going to get tapped out. Something's going to break if you don't tap. You're going to get choked out if you don't tap. Like all these these, um, fail safes are built into the system. And that's why we've seen it evolve so quickly. And Muay Thai for striking compared to like point karate and Taekwondo and some of these other things doesn't mean you can't become, you know, a master of striking with those other elements in martial arts. But Muay Thai, you, you it. It's, it's as real as it gets, you know, like you're learning the full use of the body, elbows, knees, kicks, and it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful martial art. And, and it really does put into practice what, what we're capable of very quickly. So there's no doubt, like, does this work? Does this not work? How do I defend myself? How does it feel to actually be hit as opposed to having, you know, attackers run up to you at full speed and then dodge you a foot before getting to you because you did some magic wand thing like fucking Harry <laughs> Potter and they're all of a sudden on their back. Um, yeah, and a, it, if anybody in the world would want that to be true, it would be me, man. Like watching Ip Man or like, I think, you know, even one from uh, Keanu Reeves made an old one I watched recently, uh, like Tai Chi Master or something. And he like uses Tai Chi, like the force. And I'm like, if anyone wants that to be real, it's me. And, but the Shaolin monks could do something extraordinary, right? They combine those two worlds to do something. So maybe not physical combat, but what they were able to do with their body, what they're able to do with their mind. They did something that's not humanly possible to most people and same with Wim Hof, like before Wim Hof kind of popularized cold training, you think that's nuts. All the things that he, that he's done, I think he's got 20, 30 world records. And so, you know, there are these possibilities, but yeah, people can be fooled and misled. And unfortunately that's something that we got to deal with. And actually the one example I want to bring up, I forgot to was going to the parliament of world religions. I went with my native American elder friend. There were 200 and something two thirty uh, different religions represented. In the lower hall, they had this big setup about this um, person, Nithyananda. And people have actually sent me this guy's stuff and say, hey, have you seen these girls um, that can see with their third eye? Right. So I checked it out and I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. Something doesn't seem right. So I start researching and doing some stuff. And um, I, I feel pretty confident that what they're doing is a magic trick. Now, flash forward, I'm at the Parliament of the Rig- World Religions. These three girls are there. Okay. And so uh, David Lombear, who's the Native American I was training with, he's, a, he, he's also a magician. So we're walking out one day and they're there. He kind of scoots over to them and he goes, hey, girls, can I talk to you? They were the whole entourage. And he goes, okay, I, I want to show you a trick. Which um, hand is this in? And so he has like this uh, coin, right? So he does a magic trick. Um, he's like, okay. 
now which hand is it in? And all three of these girls, right, have to pick. He's like, you all have to agree which hand it is, right? So they pick his left hand and it's wrong. And I should have filmed it. But the problem was I felt so uncomfortable because I knew exactly what he was doing. And all the adults that kind of, you know, helped and, and were using these, they knew what he was doing. And so I was like trying to make small talk with one of the mums. <laughs> this is so brutal, but I should have just filmed it. And so um, he does it again, right? And it's like, okay, what, what hand is it, right? And they get wrong again. And keep in mind, these are the girls that you can go on YouTube now and look up girls with third eye powers. It is those exact girls. They get it wrong again. So then he does it a third time, right? And sometimes, because I've seen him do it before, he'll make it deliberate, like he'll show you what he did. So two of them got it wrong the third time, and one of them got it right because they saw him put it in his pocket because he was doing it for three people, sleight of hand stuff. So they all got it wrong. Next day, we go down in the Parliament of World of Religions in Toronto, and these girls have this big setup down there where they're doing this magic trick to basically tell you about your health, um, you know, read paper, right? Do all this stuff. And I should put this film online actually, cause I still have it. Um, they're, they're doing this thing, but then what they tell you is that at the end of the day or, or when they're done, they say, well, you sign up for this guy, Nithya Nanda, which you can go look up now. Um, and you will help turn on your third eye and it's like 10 grand. And he's out in India and stuff like that. So that was existing in Toronto at the parliament of world religions on a spiritual level. So, um, it's a pretty crafty situation out there well, when you're uh, trying to find the truth, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's one thing to say, you know, like, look, I'm going to go on stage in Vegas and I'm going to do this and I'll make a living that way. It's another thing to charge people $10,000 to come get healed or to come learn the practice. Like you too can have this power, you know, and it's like, well, it's <laughs> a lot of money, you know, like it's one thing to spend a couple hundred bucks and be entertained in Vegas and maybe have a, you know, a microdose of mushrooms or LSD and just enjoy <laughs> the show. It's another thing when you're getting conned, right? Yeah. 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 And that's where I see the black magic element. So that's kind of, you know, in these worlds where we're trying to walk in like human potential and even like plant medicine, ayahuasca, getting a, a legit shaman, a, a legit teacher. And then you've got these, uh, I don't even know, like some tr- generic term, just people who haven't had that same level of mastery to go through to be able to guide people in a, in a meaningful and useful way. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've brought this up a, a million times on the podcast, but I always liken that experience to white through black, you know, jujitsu, you've got five belts, white, blue, purple, brown, and black. And then of course there's degrees of black, but, um, you know, and, and it's not to say that, that people who aren't black belts shouldn't be guiding, but you should be un- upfront about it, that you're just a guide. You're a babysitter. You are not a shaman. You're not a curandero. Even if you know how to make your own brew, if you're not singing Icaros and you're playing from an iPod, you're, you're brown belt at best. Right. You could, you might be on the cusp, but you're an apprentice at best. And it's important that people are upfront about that rather than, you know, yeah, I did my dieta for a year in the Amazon and I know how to, you know, uh, curate the medicine and all this stuff. And then you can't sing, you can't direct it. And that's a big difference, you know, in particular with that medicine, you know, I've worked with plenty of people that have been black belts in their own right. Um, who did play from an iPod with different medicines. But if you're not singing the songs of the plants to direct the experience, then that's, that's a differentiator in my opinion my opinion. That's a good rule of thumb for people to check out. And then to that point, I've had many great experiences with purple belts and under, you know, and I've had many great solo experiences. And I, and I certainly want to touch on that with you, but you brought up um, David Lone Bear, you brought up, you know, the indigenous wisdom and, and I've worked with, I've talked uh, quite a bit about, you know, Dr. Will Tegel, who's out in Wimberley, Texas. He wrote the book, Walking with Bears. Um, he's an incredible, incredible guide. He's on my spirit council and somebody that I'll have on the podcast, but Talk about what drew you to Native American wisdom and, and working with David Lone Bear and, and the different things that you've picked up from your, your work and apprenticeship with him. 
Yeah, well, it's a great question because for me, I've always just wanted to know what the truth is. I don't care what it is. I just want to know the truth. And in studying why we had war and starvation, I learned about a lot of evil stuff on the planet. And we're kind of seeing that play out now. If you do your research, you're going to be able to figure out pretty easy what's going on. Pandemic 2 is a nice overview for that. Um, but there, it, it goes deep, deep down the rabbit hole. And so I have respect for all cultures and all people, but the indigenous culture particularly is very fascinating. And so David Lone Bear was one of the teachers that I had, but I also had several others. I had a Zuni elder Clifford Mahuti. And so we were in Sedona a few years ago, and it was the first time a Zuni elder and a Mi'kmaq elder spoke publicly. And so I helped make that happen a few years ago. It was very fascinating. And listening to them talk was incredibly fascinating. And also I have another friend who unfortunately recently passed, his name's Carlos Barrios, and he's a Mayan elder. And so I had one, I think it's still on YouTube if it's not gone now, but I did a, a my, uh, an elders um, group panel and had them on. And one of the challenges that I learned about the Native American culture is that, well, we decimated it as the Europeans. We, you know, we did horrendous things to break their history. So there are not that many legitimate elders now that have the ancient teachings. And so it was interesting to hear them, um, you know, speak to them as individuals, speak to them as a group, but they all had a 20,000 year history. That's all of them. Same thing, the Zuni, Mi'kmaq, and Mayan, 20,000 year history. All of them, sky people, star people are like dogs and cats. It's something that's normal and uh, common. Uh, all of them are really connected to the, the land and all of them know uh, basically that what we're living in here is this illusion this the cities and the culture and the way that we're living uh, you know now is 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 illusionary and it's going to fail and so it had a lot of different things in common and so one of the things for me with with you know and these guys they say such far out there stuff i can't confirm or deny any of it i'm just listening like the first podcast i did with david lombear i was in uh, arcosanti which is an interesting place in itself near uh, sedona and phoenix and he was like going on about atlantis being a spaceship and all kinds of wild stuff and so part of why i got him to connect to clifford mahuti is because i knew who clifford mahuti was and i was like hey clifford like i met this uh, other native american like can you tell me if this guy's legit because he is saying some pretty wild stuff i have no idea i don't know anything about your history i don't know you know i, I don't have anything to hold on to is this is this legit and so in working with them and learning from them their groundedness in spirituality was was so simple. Like the, I've read a lot of spiritual books. I've done a, a lot of spiritual seminars and all that kind of stuff and 400 episodes of a podcast basically on that. And the best spiritual teaching I've ever heard was from David Lombard. And it said, do three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anyone. It's like simple. And then going down to Guatemala and I went to the fire ceremony, right? And they had a, a festival going on. And this is kind of, I'll just like to share this small story, but we got this fire ceremony in Guatemala. It's supposed to be the big thing because they'd actually um, murdered and like genocided a lot of indigenous people in Guatemala in I think the early nineties or something like that. Look it up for the you know fact check police and all that kind of stuff, but something bad happened. They weren't allowed to do the ceremonies in Tikal. So this was the first fire ceremony they're allowed to do. So when we're down there, um, they do the fire ceremonies. I mean, there's one real Mayan elder. It's Carlos Barrios. But everyone's doing workshops, right? And they do a panel. All we have is these people in their 20s telling everybody about the coming age of the Mayan wisdom and the Mayan calendar. I'm looking at uh, Carlos, and he's just shaking his head. And he's just like, there's this 
wrong. And I'm just sitting there and it's kind of like the festival vibe, you know? And I'm just like, listen to the elder, listen to the one elder. Like these are, you know, these are, these are white belts. You know what I mean? Yes, they're interested and they probably have some knowledge, but you've got like, you've got the master sitting there and you're not listening to him and he's shaking his head. Something is wrong. And so it was a kind of a side note. So I have an interview with him on my podcast somewhere. If people email me, I can, I can send it to you, but we're just having a conversation at lunch and I'm talking to him about all these different things. And, you know, his main topic of his speech is how spirituality is now action and, you know, how sometimes we can be so heavenly minded, but no earthly good. And so all their teachings are incredibly grounded. And I think when you're referring to the, you know, the black belt, white belt analogy, it's like the Instagram lifestyle, right? Everybody wants to put their best foot forward and that's okay. We just need to have the humility to be where we are. We need to have the humility to be honest and be authentic. And I even see courses out, out there right now. It's like how to be authentic. And I find that odd. Just do it. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like people need help with that, but it's a really uh, manipulative world we live in and they're very, very grounded. So their culture is incredibly interesting just seeing how they operate the way they treat their elders. And here's an interesting one you might actually like um, in war times. So they actually had a ma- matriarchy, right? So the grandmothers are the highest council. And I don't know if this goes for all indigenous, but for the Megamon, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So when they go to war is the grandmothers that um, give that okay. And what we're, ha- what we're seeing now <clears throat> is that we don't have a lot of, uh, there's been an agenda to really just attack masculinity. And so now we don't have the, what would be considered the protectors, people who would naturally protect the uh, communities and things like that. We don't really have that anymore. We don't see a lot of um, men standing up the way that we might've used to in the past. And so I could go into a huge rabbit hole of how that happened, but it's interesting that in the native American communities, the grandmothers would have this wisdom and saying, you know, we don't want to fight, right? If you're a martial artist, you know, you're not going out there fighting, right? You'd whoop just, just whoop, do whatever you want to do, right? People who know how to fight, don't go out there and fight. Um, but there are times when you need to defend, right? And so it's understanding the um, reality you're, you're in and what you're facing. And so in the indigenous communities, it's the grandmothers that give the okay. And then the men would go to war and, and protect their villages, protect their fellow people. I love that. Yeah. And, and uh, a great, without diving down the rabbit hole, a great place. I've recommended this book many times, but in the introduction, in the very beginning, if all you did was read the first chapter, King Warrior, Magician Lover, they talk quite a bit on how that's taken place. Set the cabal aside, set George Soros (laughs) aside, and just look into the psychology of how we've started to attack masculinity and the results of what that's caused in men not knowing how to be men anymore. King Warrior, Magician Lover is one of my favorite books for many reasons, but that's all in the intro of that book. Um, you brought up something that is very curious to me. And, you know, my first, my first real medicine man who brought me into this was my boxing coach. His name was Huitzi, Arturo Huitzi Mata. And he was um, Mayan and Mexican. And he brought me out to the Native American Reservation up in Northern California for a lot of my introduction in working with plant medicines, sweat lodges, all of it. Uh, but he talked quite a bit about the coming age from the Mayan calendar. I'd love for you to unpack that because I'm seeing... Oddly enough, quite a few parallels between the Hopi prophecy, Christianity, the Mayan calendar, and, uh, you know, shit is hitting the fan. I mean, for a thousand years and probably beyond that, people have been saying, oh, it's Armageddon. It's the fucking end of the world. I remember going to an Elton John concert when I was 18 and there was all these gay hating Christians outside saying he's going to burn in hell. It's Armageddon. And I'm like, 
this guy's a fucking brilliant musician. Okay. We love him for that. Why would he burn in hell? Like this makes no sense at all to me. Um, but, but yeah, that's a side note. Just uh, unpack that for us if you can with what you've learned. Well, well it's, a, it's a great question. And I wish I could cue in my friend Carlos Barrios to answer that question. And again, he's recently passed, which is really unfortunate. Call him in right now. Channel his yeah, ass. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. Come on in, man. Um, so while well, we have several podcasts together and I had talked to him about these types of things. And before he passed, I was trying to help him create a course, right? Just as like, Carlos, you got to video this, you got to video this. And so some of these videos are accessible. His daughter has actually um, created a website where he's talking about the prophecies and things like that in detail. And so one of the things that she told me and he told me was that we're going into trying times that these are going to be very troubling times. And apparently his daughter was would, told him this from a, from a young age, that there's going to come a time around 20, 2020, 2023. It's going to be very chi- trying times on with all of humanity. Clifford Mahoudi, who I recently had back on my podcast and I'm connected with, he said the same thing with the Hopi. His different thing was, and, and they're similar, is that it's humanity's choice, that we are at this that this decision point where we as a collective choose the direction that we want to go. And I'm going to be interviewing David Lone Bear soon and get his perspective on it as well. And so I hope to have um, both of them on together. But essentially what they're sharing with me is that this is the tipping point. This is something that is not going to happen to us and we have no choice in it. It's up to each individual and the collective in which way we're going to steer this. And if you know how the world works, you understand that it does not work for the benefit of all people. You know, one of the things that I, I struggle with and go back and forth with as a martial artist and somebody who I feel is empathetic is that we talk about, you know, in, in the spiritual community about, you know, manifesting our own reality, right. And, 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 and staying in our lanes, so to speak, while learning about Satanism and solipsism, it's basically like, you create your own reality and, you know, everyone else is doing their thing. It's kind of separate. It's like, no, the indigenous know we're connected to everything. And so as a collective, when we understand that 9 million people are starving to death and as a collective, we do nothing about it. Um, I think that's an issue. We need to extend our compassion, right? Because the coronavirus, when it first came out, is like, oh, shoot, what's going on here? Spend 400 hours studying that, get myself booted off everywhere for finding the truth, right? Can't say 0.26%. Uh, can't be sharing David Martin. That was probably not good. <laughs> you know, and he's, he still has his Facebook account. I was like, how is this possible? He's protected, bro. <laughs> he's protected. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so awesome. So, um, you know, we, when we look and find the truth of what's going on, um, we, we know that there's something wrong. You know what I mean? And so now we have an opportunity to look at the entire system and extend our compassion to all people. Because if you're really concerned and you're, you're so excited about wearing a mask and social distancing and all that, well, there's 20 to 40 million people in a human trafficking condition. As a collective, if we just cognitive dissonance that, I don't know how we find a solution, right? It's like uh, the example I've been giving is, is if we all lived in a cave and we were cavemen and we go out and somebody gets eaten by a lion, we come back and be like, holy crap, this big yellow scary thing is out there. We all got to stay in this cave. Nobody's allowed to go out. But you and I are like, no, we're going to keep going out because we want to explore. This is what we're made to do. We go out and then we figure out a spear and then all of a sudden we can evolve past that point. But we need to be able to face the danger without being crippled by fear. We need to be courageous. We need to do the things that are going to provide for our community 
And I think that, you know, if we, we go right back to the basics and into the, what the Native American um, indigenous elders taught me, it's you show up. So one of the examples David was talking about when he was younger, he was supposed to be this special person in his tribe. And, you know, it's a, it's a whole big story. And he doesn't like to go into that very much, but he was supposed to speak. And, um, you know, when he got there, everybody's wearing the feathers and the things like that. And he goes, I basically just, you know, I, I tended the fire. I did all these different things. And the whole point of the story was you just do the things, you know what I mean? You know, that person in your life, like your mom sometimes or your friend, they just go take care of you. That to them is, is basically the spiritual teachings going in and doing that. And so with what's happening in this transition in the world from what Clifford, Carlos and David are, are telling me, it's, it's letting the illusion drop of all these things we're giving our energy, time, attention to that are not serving anybody but yourself. And just being more aware of how your actions ripple out and what you can actually do on a ground level for yourself and also your community. And that's really important to them, the community that you are around right now to honor and respect all people um, and make sure that your decisions and actions are, are supportive. That's so beautiful. And it's so much of the medicine journeys as well as the meditations, you know, medicine, plant medicine, ketamine, any, any altered state of consciousness. And that aside, in, in my everyday waking awareness, so much has been coming in on community. We had, we had a guy named Joyous Hart on the podcast recently about building a conscious community um, outside of Austin. And we're very much going to be a part of that. Del Big Tree, Mickey Willis, a lot of great people are going to be a part of that. And I really look forward to that because everywhere I've lived, I've loved. It's been home. It's been home. I grew up born and raised in Northern California. Uh, when I was at Arizona State, that was home for seven years. Uh, it's been home here in Austin. And yet, even though I bond and vibe with all of the people, especially here in Austin, uh, and we have tribe and extended family, I haven't felt that sense of community. And likely because, you know, I know a couple of my neighbors and that's it. You know, and it's just, it's, it's not just differing opinions. It's the fact that there's nothing bonding us together in the same way that we would have in an old school setting where everyone knows everybody. You got Dunbar's 150. If it grows bigger than that, the tribe splits or you send some people off to the neighboring tribes and to really feel that, you know, and so um, I've been building into that, but everything, everything you're speaking about is, is the great calling, you know, and I talked about this with with Joyous on the podcast, that it it is not so much the focus of taking down the power structures that are by attacking them, because we that's the, the way this system set up is that it's damn near impossible to do that. But we need to empower us on the ground level, and a part of that means thinking outside of ourselves. That's one of the first things Paul Check talks about when you move from the I to the we into the all, right? And so that that as that spreads from you to your partner to your family to the, you know, the workspace, the people that you're closest to, it does need to branch further into community. And that's really what should be centralized at the ground level. We, we should bring back the power to that. And we start, we're starting to see that now, you know, with different people, uh, you know, the, the county sheriff's guys down in Orange County, as well as um, Riverside, you know, people really standing up for their communities and saying, Fuck no, we're not, we're not going to be a part of this. We're not going to be a part of this draconian measures from Gavin Newsom. We will not be making arrests for people that aren't wearing masks and going out. Health is a personal decision and is not a law. And if people want to go outside the cave and figure out how to make spears and figure out how to work through this and not avoid nature and not avoid the great, the sacred hoop that we're all a part of and all connected with, that's their own fucking decision. And I'm right there with them saying yes to that. I will not hide from a virus that you have a 99.76% chance of surviving. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. 
And at the same time, I'll hold compassion for all those who have been indoctrinated and have been programmed to view this otherwise, right? And see it through the lens that they see it through, you know, to forgive them because they truly have no fucking idea. And so that, that's, that, that makes it a little bit easier on me in the, in the greater perspective. Um, let's jump into, into plant medicines here, you know, talk about your work with that and, um, you know, but just any, anything you want to talk about with regard to that, I'm down for, cause I've, I've had some recently deep, deep journeys and I'm just, I'm a fan. I'm always a fan. <laughs> I think the listeners know that a little too well, but, uh, I'd love to hear your, your stories around that and any work that you've done with them. Sure. Yeah. You know, plant medicine for me is such a, a fascinating one because <sighs> I've ex- I, I didn't do anything until my 30s, and then I had an opportunity in British Columbia to experience ayahuasca. And when I did, and when I did, it was very profound. And I obviously, if you've done ayahuasca, so you know what that's like. And it's a whole another set of it's a whole another set of it's a whole another reality. It changes everything, and then. When I continued with, with that kind of work, what I observed and became a little bit disheartened with was that when it became popular, but then nobody integrated, you know what I mean? Then, then we had this gap, right? And then we started to see a lot of white belts come in. And so it kind of changed my perspective at that time. Then when I chain, um, studied with um, David Lombear, he's like, don't, don't do anything. I was like, okay. So I tried that for a bit. Um, but it's interesting because I know of many people that have had incredibly transformative experiences and even something like mushrooms, you know, so many people, they have a view of reality and that immediately shifts everything that they thought was real and possible and, and, and tangible and just is what it is. You know what I mean? It shatters that for you. So then you have an opportunity at that moment to rebuild in a better way, in something that is more grounded, more connected to earth, um, more more good, more cooperative, more, as Walter Russell puts it, more life affirming. And so I love what they are capable of doing and showing people. And I would hope that people like you and others out there, when somebody comes in, that they have a, a guide to integrate with, because we have this other side where, where people are kind of getting lost. And um, Hamilton Souther, I don't know if you've had him on the show. I think he's one of our, like, it, like, you know, we have a lot of people. I was like, yeah, you know, I see you talking to him. Like we're, we're kind of connected. He is such a fascinating guy, you know, and we've had some, he's been on the show a few times and we talked about it, this, this in depth and how we need that. We need to be able to integrate, right? It's like, if I'm going to give you this powerful tool, like show you how to break someone's arm, you need to understand respect, discipline, showing up community and things like that. And so that's what I'd like to improve um, with that kind of culture because it is becoming popular. But I do also see the other side where people want that fun, you know what I mean? And trust me, like it is a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I bet, you know, I, um, I said, you know, when I was at Burning Man one year, I, I um, decided to take acid and I was at, on this art car and I was like, there's no experience on this planet like Burning Man on a Friday night on acid. You know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. But I can tell you it was one of the most wild experiences of my life. But when you wake up the next day, it's like chop wood, carry water. You know what I mean? Use that as an opportunity to inspire you into the work that is cooperative, that is cohesive, that is wonderful. Because when you go into these realms, right, and then you're integrating, right, you're using meditation and things like that. I've had similar experiences as powerful as ayahuasca in these, sometimes it was meditative and one time was just kind of, it happened. 
Um, but that made me really curious about how do I make the DMT come from my pineal gland? Because in researching ancient civilizations, I went to Egypt with the Resonant Science Foundation. Um, I've kind of explored that rabbit hole as well. And it's all about bringing energy up through the spine to activate the pineal gland. So if I can do it naturally, that's very fascinating to me as well. And so I feel like we've, we've got this access point to say, hey, what you think about reality, you know, if all you do is think about yourself and you, you're totally out to lunch, this is going to kind of humble you immediately. Now, unfortunately, if you want to lose, and I always use um, physical attributes as the, you know, an easy analogy. If you're 400 pounds, all you do is eat KFC. Tomorrow, you're going to have to start eating some vegetables and show up at the gym. And then you're going to have to show up again and again and again and change your life. And it's like liposuction. This will give you the opportunity. This will show you the path. Now it's up to you to show up and watch it. And that's why I appreciate your work and, and what you do because you integrate it. You, you show like, I, you know, I, you've got shirt off, like you're nice and strong, right? You're like, it's like, that's what Socrates said. He said, um, it's a shame to not see what the human body is capable of or something like that, right? And I just did a, re- a recent video of why they would have killed Socrates first because he had denounced the gods of the day and he was disrupting the minds of the youth. So, um, you know, it's interesting times, but you're integrating what you've learned. Right. And you have to have that. You could you could look at it and say, you know, everybody's getting their ass kicked in the world and you want a little bit of protection because everyone's just taking your stuff and robbing you. Then you realize jujitsu is a thing. Right. And then you're like, all right, now I'm going to go train in jujitsu because it's going to change my life. And so when you when you use same with uh, martial arts, yin yang, right, when you combine both an incredibly transformative experience. And I find that the danger side of it is when people are only going for the yippee kaye they're going to be probably more lost and they're going to need a lot of help coming back um, with that. And so that's kind of my, my two cents on it. I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've, I've had, I've had people talking, you know, I plan on getting further, further into the rabbit hole as we shift this conversation, but you know, I've had, <laughs> I've had, you know, every, every spectrum of people come to me that I've met, whether in plant medicines or, um, you know, just, just in the people that I work with. And, you know, people will tell me from time to time, like, Hey man, I found out I'm not from this planet. I'm from a different star system. And I'm like, dope. I'm not even, I don't, I'm not even in disbelief. Like that, that's fucking completely on my radar. What are you going to do with that here? Why did you come here? Let's, let's, we we're, we're tracking something that's cool, but for now it's just a story. Right. And, uh, you know, one of my mentors told me early, early on that if you don't ground the experience, it's just a memory. And if, and if it's a dope memory, then it's just a cool story, right? Like that time I went to do ayahuasca and I saw the dragon and they did this and it, you know, they knighted me and told me I was an elder and, and all this shit. It's like, okay, fantastic. What did that, what happened in 3d reality? What happened in everyday life that changed? And how did you take that and become the person that you are becoming, right? How did you step into the fullness of your being because of what it showed you? And so much of that is the work, you know, people think of the work as like, yeah, I purged, I did a lot of work. And it's like, no doubt that's work. No doubt that's challenging. And at the same time, there is more work that's required of each of us. Right. And it's, and it's not, it doesn't have to be so far out there. You know, like you talked about that with a lot of your, your elders and teachers that it can be just right here. It can be chop wood, carry water. Paul Selig talked about that. The, the, and I've told this, this parable before, but there's a guy driving along in his pickup truck, big dude, bigger than me. And he's sitting there going, God, why am I here? Why am I here? You know, and he pulls up and there's a fucking tree that fell over in the center of the road. And he gets out and he's like, oh, I got to move this fucking tree. I just want to know why I'm here. And he big, heavy dude picks up the log, gets it out of the way, gets back in his truck and drives on saying, why am I here? What am I to do today? You know, and he keeps and he keeps driving along thinking like that wasn't it. 
And every car that comes up behind him doesn't have to move the tree because he did it for them. The work to be done is the work of the day. And it's no grander than that. It doesn't have to be grander than that, right? It can be as simple as just helping out your fellow man by doing what's in front of you right now. Um, so yeah, that, that resonates entirely with me. Thank you for bringing all that up, brother. And if there's anything you want to add to that before we jump into this deep state, weird shit going on, yeah. uh, you are welcome to. Yeah. Well, I, I love, I love that and ag- agree with it and, and just love how you framed all of that. And that's a lot of what the, the, um, the indigenous elders taught me when we were at the parliament, of world religions, um, you know, whenever David would go past a homeless person, he would talk to them and ask their name and give them money. Right. He's just like, you're looking for people to help. These people are helping, you know, help them. This is like, but what we, what do we do? We judge them. So nobody helps, right? Maybe they're addicted to drugs. They're going to spend it on alcohol. He's like, so he's like, and so he sat out there for an hour and a half talking to them. And this is supposed to be the most spiritual people in the world. Right. And when he did this talk, he goes, I watched a hundred people in callers walk past these people asking for help. Not only that, they called security to remove the homeless from the parliament of world religion. So the most spiritual leaders on planet earth, right? Come and they remove the homeless, the people that need help, like, you know, to the indigenous uh, teachers, like that doesn't make any sense. Right. Because, you know, when somebody would need something, they would, they would give it to them. They would make sure that they were provided for. And so that's, um, you know, completely nuts. And then the other example he would give often is like, you're going to your spiritual meditation thing with all the vibes and all the 5D stuff, right? And then somebody's on the side of the road, they need your help. It's like, ah, I'm not going to help that guy. You keep going down the road, you know what I mean? Someone else said, no, nah, I'm not going to, I got to get, I got to, you know, somebody's in your way, like, get out of my way. I'm going to, you know, align my chi. And, and so when, when he would talk about, the, <laughs> when he's talking about the, the three kind acts, it's, um, you know, do three kind acts, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anyone. And so, he then proceeded one time when I was with him to give me an hour and a half thing. Cause he's an engineer and a scientist and I've watched him build some stuff. And again, it's really far out there. I, I always tell him like, I can't tell if this is like hundred percent legit or what, cause it's so beyond, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, but he would talk about how we're an electromagnetic being and talk about spiritual weight. And so when you're offering and you're doing stuff for other people, you're acquiring spiritual weight, but also increasing your electromagnetic field. But when then you say, Oh, look at how good I am. And I did all these kind acts today and I was so good. You're basically giving that energy away. And so if you just think about it as an electromagnetic field, we, we want to be good people, right? If you're into spirituality, plant medicine, um, the new earth, just a lot of it isn't sexy. You know what I mean? Like digging a, digging a ditch, you know, stopping, you know, helping a friend, listening, um, saying a kind word, getting someone's name. Right now we can't even see people's faces, um, you know, so just showing up in that day, that can be enough. And that makes it a wonderful thing if you've done those three kind acts, if you actually show up and participate rather than ignore it. And that's kind of what we're doing a lot of time is we're reading the spiritual books, we're doing the podcast, but we're still so go, go, go. We miss all these opportunities to be kind and be present. And I remember when he first told me this, I was like, how am I supposed to do three kind acts? I was like, I only know, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, just pay it forward three times? Like, uh, you know, he's like, get someone's name. He's like, that counts. And I was like, oh my God. And so when I did that and started doing that as the way I live my life, I would go through the shopping mart and, and get their name, right? And funny, because I'm Canadian and sometimes I go through the States and somebody just give me this weird look and oh yeah, this is a good one. I'd, I go through the grocery store. I try to figure out ways to do these kind acts. And so there's, I, w- I would usually pick somebody's thing that they had on their cart, like cookies, right? Something like, like a treat. And I would say, oh, can I see that for a second? 
and they'd show it to me and I'd get them to ring it through and then I'd buy them cookies or ice cream or something. And I was like, free ice cream day and <laughs> give them that. And so this one guy is like pretty, you know, he, he looks a certain way and he's like, you know, I was like, all right, I got to deal with this guy, but I don't know how it's going to go. So <laughs> I, just, I grab his stuff, I pay for it. I go, and he goes, Hey, what are you doing? I was just like, and I was like, I don't can't remember what he had, but I was like, free cookie day. And he just goes, Oh, thanks, man. I was just like, huh, I'm going to do that. I was like, cool. You know, and he was like this very like, you know, masculine kind of scary dude. And it just, it just broke his reality. But when you just do the kind act or you get someone's name, um, you can see them light up, you know, you're acknowledging that other person. And that's where, if you look, look at Mark Passio stuff, it's very interesting, but this guy was a, a priest in the church of Satan for 10 years. And he talked about the, the sins, this, uh, the seven, I think it's the seven or the nine sins of Satanism and one of them solipsism. And he's like, you're in your own world. You're kind of like, they're conditioning you to think that, and you're not interacting with those people around you. And so what this does, just getting someone's name, it's like acknowledging their existence and you can actually see people light up. Now we can't even see people's faces. Right. And so these simple acts can actually be a, a lot more meaningful than we realize. And so that's what I want to say about that. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, I would love to dive into Satanism with you just to, to get into more of that, but I do I want to keep us here on, on time. Um, you know, talk about the current events, COVID censorship, the global elites. I know you've, you've spoken a lot about it. You you have been censored. Um, I've seen a lot of great people get censored, you know, like Rob Wolf I've spoken about on the show. He's coming about on at the end of the year here, started getting censors, started getting shadow banned on Google. And he's, you know, was not a guy speaking out against vaccines. He was not a guy like really, going head first against it. He has, he has the healthy rebellion where he talks shit about our sick care system, which is what it is. Um, but really not from like a power structure cabal type uh, viewpoint and to see, you know, people like him getting shadow banned. It was like, Oh, how far does this go? You know, and that really started to cue me in. And, and since then, obviously the whole world has opened up. We've had a lot of the guests on the show and, and will continue to. Um, and, and more and more, thankfully people are speaking up about it, but Talk about some of the things that got you censored, you know, like you queuing down the rabbit hole. What are the videos and the things that really turned you on and got you switched into knowing what you know now about the world at large? Okay, well, it's a huge question. Let me try to decipher it for you. So originally, like I said at the beginning, when I was 15, I didn't understand how we had war and starvation. So that's when I learned about all this crap, like all these systems in the world. I was like, holy crap, all these systems are not out for our good. Not that any rabbit hole, you go all the way down, you want to go all the way down food, you want to go all the, all the way down health, you want to go all the way down finance, um, anything you're going to find at the end of that rabbit hole, Luciferianism and Satanism. And I had Alex Sakaris on the podcast and he does skeptical podcasts. This guy's a skeptic. And, um, I've talked to him like we're, it's a, we had a great episode and we're, we're still in touch now. And he goes, he goes, well, you know, and he wrote a book, why evil matters, how science and religion flubbed a big one. And he goes, well, if we know that, uh, um, there are people in this world that torture children, um, and try to fractal, fractal their psyche. So a being come in there and take control of them. Then we need to first figure out, um, if that's possible and how that works. And, we're fast forward in the podcast. I'm just talking about building a life of meaning and purpose and how you can like figure out what that is and, and build it from there. He's giving me pushback on that. I was like, bro, 10 minutes ago, you're talking about splitting psyches and beings coming in and you're giving me shit for telling people <laughs> that they can figure out what they want to create in this reality and create it. I'm like, what kind of skeptic are you? <laughs> you know. And so um, it's, a, it's some scary crap, but the premise of his book is saying that what we've been 
what we've been conditioned to do is ignore it, right? It's so crazy that we're cognitive dissonancing this evil stuff that we're ignoring it. So that's what's allowing it to move forward. And so I had been aware of so much of this stuff about elite or cabal, council 300, council forum relations, how you do all those different things. And it's, it's crappy. And in my early 20s, I was in a bit of a depression because I was like, I don't know how we're going to overcome this. This is insane. They've had the power forever. Um, this is nuts. Now, flash forward to the coronavirus. Like anything, I just want to know what the truth is. So I just started researching and then that was a rabbit hole and it was about 400 hours. And so what I can deduce is, is if you go back, it goes back to germ theory versus terrain theory. That's as far down the rabbit holes I have found and figured out. And the most important thing of what we're experiencing now, um, regardless of the cabal and how they control the world and Rockefellers and Council 300 and all the Luciferian stuff and the people who don't know. So we're going to, we're just going to go into this thing. So um, germ theory and terrain theory, a lot of people can explain it a lot better than my, me. This is a very rudimentary explanation. But at the time, I think maybe 1800s or something, they wanted to know why an apple rotted. And so they had two people, Louis Pasteur, who was a chemist, and Antoine Bouchamp, who was a genius of four PhDs. And so they'd be like, why does this apple rot? Even if we put like this thing around it, it starts to rot. So Louis Pasteur said the germs come in and then they get the apple, right? And then it makes the apple rot. Well, Antoine Bouchamp said it's the terrain of the apple. It gets compromised, so it grows within the apple. Like it, it doesn't have any defense. And so Louis Pasteur, who was the chemist, was friends with Napoleon Bonaparte, who had martial law at the time. So he pushed forward uh, germ theory because it's frightening and fear. And I just did a video on amygdala hijack and, and, and psychological operations. Man, there's a lot of shit. Um, so, um, so you can use germ theory to frighten people. So you move forward and you can look at these doctors and books that talk about terrain theory. Basically, what they're saying is if the terrain, the human body, the God-given natural body is meant to be healthy, it has all the systems it needs to remain healthy and fight off what it needs. What you need to do is make sure that that system is not compromised. Um, so you go uh, flash forward to 1910, the Flexner report done by Rockefeller. Well, this was a time they were, they want that allopathic medicine, which was basically vaccines, pharmaceuticals, and scalpels. That's what modern medicine is, right? So at the time, the 1800s, you and I are both sick. It's like, do you want the allopathic medicine with all those knives and these, and these needles and stuff like that? Or do you want homeopathic medicine with these herbs? You know, it looks a little softer. You're like, okay, we're going to go over there. Well, there's, when you're trying to sell allopathic medicine, there's no money. So they create the Flexner report, which essentially hijacked medicine. And they said anything that wasn't vaccines, pharmaceuticals, or allopathy was quackery. Um, anything an, an indigenous person would use, anything an herbalist would use, anything almost common sense and anything uh, germ theory, or, or sorry, terrain theory. Now with germ theory, you can have infinite amount of germs to find a, uh, a pharmaceutical or a chemical or whatever you want with. You can, you can then, that's going to solve your problem, right? Well, terrain theory is going to make sure the body um, is strong. And so it's going to fight off whatever naturally. And so that's when modern medicine got hijacked. And so that's the paradigm we're still in now. So people will say, oh, well, why would all the doctors do this? Why would you know this happen? The doctors and nurses, they're all good people, um, but they are in a funded system from Rockefeller Design. And so there are old um, documentaries that are really hard to find now because they keep getting deleted, like book burnings. Half the videos that I saved um, to do research for this were deleted, right? So you can't even find that truth. And so when you know you're in war when communications are shut down and you only have one point of view. And um, this stuff isn't actually hard to figure out. Just look up the World Health Organization and their members. Uh, look up Event 201 and then research the individual members. Look up Gavi. Look up Bill Gates and his family. You can piece it all together. There's one massive financial incentive 
connected to a bunch of uh, basically evil people that want control. And then there's one side that just wants freedom and health and to make their own choice. And so it's pretty obvious. And so that's the paradigm we're in right now. And so with the vaccines, you know, you've got Bill Gates with his uh, coming out in March, uh, a patent 060606 for the chip. Rockefeller talked about this patent in interviews in the 1980s. There's a guy, William Cooper, that, um, you know, spoke about what they wanted to do in the 80s as well, ex-CIA whistleblower. So it's an immense amount of information I'm trying to uh, share in a very brief period of time. But the main thing is using the medical system to hijack and influence society um, to control the people. And this, is, this isn't anything new. These, these people have been um, in power for a very long time. And, and part of why I know what I know is because I worked with the International Tribunal of Natural Justice on Human Trafficking. 20 to 40 million people in the world in human trafficking conditions, they do satanic ritual sacrifice. I also worked on a project to bring awareness to the forced organ harvesting that's going on in in china this has been going on for 20 years and i only found out about six years ago and that's also horrendous and when you kind of peel back the curtains of that you realize that there are these big systems in place that are that do not want the highest good for all people and um the the easiest way i can kind of break this down is that rudolf steiner said anything that seeks to restrict or bind by definition, is Luciferian. And I think that that's the best overarching uh, description of what Luciferian is. And these guys actually, that's their religion, that's their philosophy, that's, that's how they think, and it actually exists. Um, and he also said, uh, I have told you that the spirits of darkness are going to inspire their human hosts in whom they will be dwelling to find a vaccine that will drive all inclination towards spirituality out of people's souls when they are still very young. And so if you peel back all of these curtains and you see the financial interests and all in what they want to do with the chip and the vaccine and stuff like that, then you can say, okay, that's frightening. What do I want? And the nice opportunity with all of this is as we're looking, everybody is reorganizing, reorchestrating, rethinking how they live their life. And all the good people that I know, all the people who have good spirits, all the people who want to be of service, they don't need a lot of stuff. You know, I don't need anything special to show up in a good community where I can have clean food, clean water, an opportunity to do some exercise and some safe place for my, my family. We can build that together. And, and we now have that opportunity because we've been living in this fictitious world. It's fictitious banking, um, you know, the straw man argument, all, all that kind of stuff. The natural law is starting to come out, right? And how, how they um, use these systems. And so it, it's just rabbit hole after rabbit hole. And I recently did a podcast with, this guy named Cal Washington. So Cal was found by Josh Del Sol. Josh Del Sol did a documentary on the smart meters and how their spy technology also putting out radiation, harming people and all kinds of stuff. After he did that, people were upset because they get, he gave them no solution. He's like, great. Like, we know this is terrible. <laughs> now now we, we have nothing to do. And so they, he found Cal and talked to Cal and got him in the documentary. Cal's one of those people, you know how people say they can go into courts and and, and get the judges thrown out and all that. Everybody says they can do that. Well, apparently he can actually do that. And so he helped people in Kelowna and around the world get the smart meter technology off their house, any kind of invasive technology. Um, and he had his own process for how he discovered all this stuff, going to jail, getting in and out, just you know, all through these different things. And it's basically a business agreement. And so he gives me hope because what he said is this system that they're in, and this is an ancient system that they've had since like the beginning of time, 
it's like a snake eating itself and it's going to collapse on itself. So I, I give my hope there. That's what I hope for because the plan is written out. They don't hide this. You can go get Klaus Schwab's book, um, The Global Reset. You can go to the World Economic Forum and see a map 200 layers deep of how they want to implement this new society, this new normal. And it is, if you, it's everything but life affirming. Walter Russell is about life affirming. This is Luciferian mask wearing, chip in your arm, no freedom. You know, it's complete absurdity and, and people are buying it. And the other huge piece of this is all the psychological operation, which is really my specialty because I wanted to know about human consciousness and war and, and all that kind of stuff. So I learned about hypnosis, psychological operations, propaganda, and things like that. And so one of the things that we're experiencing now is they realized in World War II that if you just give them four months of barraging fear, right? So you say, see virus fear, see virus fear, see virus fear, right? After that happens, the fear set in, it's amygdala hijack. So your brain literally changes how it operates. It can't have new information at this point. So in Canada, they just released 98% of deaths uh, happened in long-term care, 98%. In long-term care, with an average death age of 82 to 86, the average life expectancy in Canada is 84. No excess death. But people hear that and they're still afraid because they have amygdala hijack. So whatever we need to obey some sort of servant to give our free God-given will to whatever, um, to something else. And they always hijack something like, oh, you're, you're um, murdering this person, you know, you're selfish. And anything that feels ugly, that feels weighted, that feels unnatural, that's Luciferian. You know what I mean? Well, you could have a disagreement, but I'm, you can stay over there. I'll honor you, right? But I don't choose to be, you know, if you're afraid of the lion, which is at this point, like a little friendly cat, that's nothing. Um, you know what I mean? I'm going to go outside, right? And I get to play at my own risk and I will honor you and I will respect you and I will not harm you. Right. If you're worried, you can be very far away, but they use all these manipulation tactics that are so incredible. And I would recommend for a really brief, it's not brief, it's like three and a half hours, but um, it's a very concise understanding is the documentary called The Century of Self. And it's about Edward Bernays, who's uh, Sigmund Freud's nephew. And it goes through how they use psychological operations in the 1900s, World War One, World War Two, and just how easily people are manipulated through groupthink. And then also Darren Brown the experiments he does and how you can manipulate an individual and then also his experiment on um, how people turn violent in mobs. And so that's as brief as I can uh, uh, make it. And, and I know you got the time, so I'll just leave it there because I can go down anyone for much longer. <laughs> that's awesome. So I'll, I'll have my dude, Jose, link to that in the show notes. And I certainly want to check that out. Um, you've had Dolores Cannon's daughter on your podcast. So uh, since, yeah. since we've, we've gone down Luciferian stuff, let's talk about the potential of what the new earth is. Explain what that is. Explain the work of Dolores Cannon. I was, it's, it's funny how, how synchronistic it was, but my dad sent me one of her posts. She's, she's passed away, I think six years ago, but he sent me one of her posts and it was, you know, this, this beautiful meme talking about what's to come, the free energy technology, uh, a completely new way of living in harmony with nature in the, uh, within the sacred hoop. And, well beyond our wildest dreams and imagination. And he's like, man, I hope this is true. And I was like, oh, that's, that's really cool. I like that positivity, you know? And, and uh, then Christian pity our boy, you know, right when I get to the office, he's like, if you heard of this lady, Dolores Cannon, she has this fucking wild video right now. And I was like, I don't know. My dad actually sent me something this morning. Let's watch it. And I was blown away. So since then I've been going down the rabbit hole with a lot of her books. Um, she was a hypnotist and a brilliant woman, and she would take people through past life regression. And within that, there was no conscious mind because it's all work within the, within the subconscious. 
there's no conscious mind to get in the way or to block things out to, to differentiate. Well, that was real. That wasn't real. And, uh, you know, for a lot of people, this is a fucking stretch. Cause first of all, if we're talking past life regression, we're admitting there is reincarnation. I think you can come to know that for yourself through plant medicines. Um, but, uh, you know, it goes on a lot of assumptions with me just rolling this out. But again, I got about 15, 20 minutes with you. So tell me about, you know, what the interview with her daughter was about. Talk about the potential of, of what is 5D consciousness? You know, the, people politicize this shit. So it's like, oh, Trump's playing 5D chess. They can't tell what's next. You know, <laughs> and you hear about this in QAnon and all that. And I know uh, for a lot of people, it's very off-putting. But, you know, she died, I think, before... Trump was in office. So it's, it's not like she had any connection to the Republican party or Trump for better or worse. And she was simply talking about what is coming and the fact that we are in, we are in the middle of this thing right now, whatever Armageddon is, whatever the great change is that is to to happen on this earth, we're right in the thick of it, you know, and, and joyous and you know, joyous heart talked about that. We're in the purge of the great ceremony right now. And it's not easy. It's not fun, but what waits, what awaits you on the other side of the purge is beauty. So, so unpack some of that brother unpack, uh, you know, the content. I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but I definitely want to check it out and we can link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Well, that's a great question and something that I really enjoy exploring. So I came across Dolores Cannon's work years ago and dove into it and I found it incredibly fascinating um, on the hypnosis part, you know, when you look into consciousness, mindset, uh, sports psychology, so part of my path was um, training, you know, high level athletes into um, how to perform at the highest level. And one of the big things about sport is fear. And so the way that I equate 5D consciousness is the way I understand martial arts. So I had this one guy, Brody Carmichael, reach out. He's a freestyle motocross rider. And he goes, Hey, I fell on a front flip. You know, I was working with his friend Pat, who's in the Nitro Circus. And he goes, I heard you're good. Um, I fell on a front flip. I want to land it. So I said, great. Um, no problem. So we get on the call and his mindset's pretty good. And I give him a few, you know, um, upgrades here and there. And I said, look, man, I was like, you, you don't have to read my book, but you can, it, it'll help. And you don't have to do the course. Cause I created a sports psychology course with hypnosis and all this kind of stuff. I was like, but you can, it'll help. All you actually have to do is take this guided recording because hypnosis is simply relaxing the mind. People are not able to relax their mind. They don't know how to quiet the mind. I was like, if you have all this mental chatter, you can't put anything in there. So I said, just, um, you know, listen to this guided meditation. It's like 10, nine, eight, super simple. Then make yourself a script of this front flip landing it, right? And listen to that an hour a day, every single day until you know you can land it. So because in extreme sports, we have a catalyst for doing this work that might people like, oh, hypnosis is weird or the 5D is weird or whatever. Well, we have the catalyst of, you know, not getting knocked out, of not, you know, breaking both your legs instantaneously on the bike if it goes wrong. So he does it. Three weeks later, he lands a front flip. Three weeks later, he lands a front flip uh, heel clicker uh, on a freaking motorcycle. Three weeks after that, he lands a front flip Superman on a motorcycle. First time in history, both of those tricks. And he was going around in schools uh, inspiring kids and doing these talks. He wasn't even practicing all through that time, just using the power of visualization. And so for me, 5D is this application that Master Go used in China and what Brody demonstrated in um, sport that this is where our mind can go. So we're using that imagination, that force, that quiet, directing our will. Yogananda, you know, the, autobi the autobiography of a yogi, um, it's an amazing book, but he also wrote another book people don't talk about a lot, which is uh, Scientific Affirmations. And in Scientific Affirmations, he says, 
Um, the reason why you're not creating the thing that you want is because you're no, you're not putting any will in it, no life force. And so if you, if we live in an electromagnetic universe, right. And we say, okay, I want 5d new earth. I want to land this front flip. I want to create a business that's inspiring and that helps others. I want a positive relationship with uh, a partner, whatever the case is. Right. And if we're electromagnetic, um, we say that affirmation, it goes, Boop, maybe it registers like a 0.4 on the electromagnetic scale. Now, if you were to imagine um, those stories where mothers uh, lift up cars and help their burning baby, you, you know, their, ba- their baby's in the car, it's on fire. Mothers lift it up. This is, we have many documented um, cases of that. How does that happen? She doesn't think about how much she can deadlift, you know, you know, how in shape she is. She doesn't stretch it out. You know yeah, what I mean? <laughs> she, she, she's just getting the hip flexors into it. You know what I mean? She's like, boom, to the car. And what do you think she thinks? What do you think that thought process is going through? There's no thought. It is, this is moving. This mother friggin' thing is moving. There is no other choice. Every ounce of her being. And so if you imagine like all those, I don't know, cool cartoons or whatever, when like the life or like the, the, the life force is like going all around them, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's what happens. We like something crazy happens. And that's what Yogananda is talking about with this will. And so when I see this 5D stuff and, and I do think that this is possible, I have seen hope. I have seen some of the, the positive um, theories out there. Um, conspiracy theory is the worst word because it's, it delegitimizes research. And now basically, if you just do any kind of research, you're a conspiracy theorist. And I've been that my whole life. And um, but you, you want to find the research, that's what they're going to do. And then they can basically disregard all that information. I wish I had time to talk about the formula for truth, but that's a different side note. Um, so we're in this time where we have an opportunity and it's going to require our participation. We are resetting the whole thing, not the global Klaus Schwab reset. Some of us are saying, holy crap, we don't want that. So what do we want? Uh, free energy, all of that thing, all of that's possible. But what the indigenous elders taught me is your next big upgrade is peace we need to learn how to get along um and that means we can't be attacking other people and so when people want to know if they're on the right side like i want to be on the right side i want to be helping and i'm helping by shouting at people to wear a mask and six feet and telling on my neighbors well if you're oppressing or binding or trying to enforce anything on someone else you're probably not helping usually that's what it is right you you allow them to operate in their own way you allow them to um, do their thing. So if we want to create this 5D world, which is completely possible, we need to integrate and master ourselves and then imagine what that reality could be. And then like Master Go did, go poke the damn tree, go show up, be be humble. You know what I mean? Go do anything that you can to get the ball rolling to create that. Go into another community. You know what I mean? Do whatever you can to go create that. And so the beautiful thing is this is wiping out everybody and what they thought that they were going to build and say, okay, now that we have to start from scratch, what is it that's truly important? And on the hypnosis thing, you know, it's such a powerful process that when I wrote Zen Athlete, it can be read by a high level athlete and they'll get great benefit from it. But my hope was to make it, you know, if I had the dream and magic wand, it's to give it to all kids across the world because the most basic teachings are if you teach a kid how to do a basketball shot, how do you uh, first clear your mind? fundamental shift in consciousness. If you're able to clear your mind or not, most people can't do that. Clear your mind, visualize the shot going in. You influence your reality. Fantastic, right? That's a fundamental shift in consciousness. You miss the shot. What's the most powerful and positive perspective you can have? You don't always win, but who you are comes from how you respond to what happened. So just try again. Those three things are so very simple. 
Now with the hypnosis side of things, it just, people don't know how to relax. So with Dolores Cannon's past life um, process, it's, it's pretty solid. And I, I always have people like, I'd ask them, if you're infinite, if you could do anything, what would you do, right? And um, because our minds are designed to keep us safe, right? For us to stay safe, we need to eat. For us to eat, we need coupons to get food so we don't die. So when I ask anybody that, their conscious mind is there, so it distorts the answer, usually a lot. And um, I have one buddy who's so analytical, I just off the top of my head said, look, here, man, I'm just going to do a guided meditation with you. That's essentially what hypnosis is. And so I hypnotized him, but into his heart. And I just said, just pretend your heart takes over essentially, right? And I'm going to ask you the same friggin' series of questions, getting your friggin' mind out of the way. And so I ask him all these basic questions. And in the middle of this thing, he starts crying. What would you do if you're infinite? What's most important? Stuff like that, right? Starts crying. And this is kind of like a man that you wouldn't expect to cry. And I was like, holy, that's very interesting. So I started doing that for a lot of people and getting pretty interesting results where people would be crying and, you know, one guy pissed himself from a quote unquote healing. And like, I was like, okay, like something's here. But the only thing is that directing the focus through the lens of the heart, not the mind, because the mind has got to solve, you know, our day to day, but the heart is connected to our eternal wisdom, to what we are, to nature, to universe, to this force. It knows what we want. And the most beautiful thing that I discovered for doing this for with hundreds of people we all want the same things. I've done it for multimillionaires, hippies, burners, um, you know, people, uh, bankers, everything in between. And not one person has given me any kind of uh, d- really dif- different answer. But our creation of what's most valuable, it, it, it changes a bit because we want to give back in the way we enjoy giving back. We want to participate in the way that we want to participate. And it is always congruent and, and synergistic with the environment every time. But what's required is we have to let go of all of the stuff that we think matters, you know? And so that's the challenge is like, that's not as important. And everybody's values are the same. They want to cooperate. They want to sing and dance. They want to be in nature. They want to be around good uh, community. They want good health and they want to grow in the ways they want to grow. It might be martial arts, music, dance, uh, engineering, whatever you're interested in. That's all they want is that opportunity to grow and they need just a little bit. And so the heart, really tunes you into that. And what's happening in our world, what we're witnessing is this old paradigm of the masculine acquire, not think just kind of like automaton, get more, um, more likes, you know, more abs, although abs are great. You know what I mean? It's just a get, you know, it's like more Ferraris and you can have a Ferrari, just have it because you want the Ferrari. Don't get the Ferrari because it's going to make you feel better. And that's kind of what we're, we're dealing with now. So when you go back to the heart, you need so much less and everything else is a bonus and you build on top of that. And the most beautiful thing is you build a life of meaning, of purpose, of value by your own definition. And there are only a handful of people on this planet that think like that right now. Who am I? What do I value? Uh, what do I want to learn? What am I passionate about? What areas do I want to grow in? What am I willing to sacrifice to put all my energy there and not work 40, 60 hours a, a job? that I don't like, that gives nothing back to society that only requires money because I think I'm supposed to do that. You know, you can switch it. And when you switch it, um, and what this process does is it just makes it very clear. You can feel it. Then just like um, Brody Carmichael did with the front flip Superman, you use both of the worlds. You tune into the signature of who you are and what you want to create. And um, then you show up to work every day, you know? So it's like the whole FBS movement of the, you know, the new agers and that, like a lot of great stuff, with the new age movement, you know, I got to say lots of good intentions and a lot of stuff that just would not work with the Shaolin monks and a lot of kind of like nuanced distinction. So 
you know, the, I only do what an FES is. Well, my podcast wouldn't have um, done what it, what it's done if I only did what I wanted. Cause most of the time I'm doing what I don't want, which is editing and doing all the tech stuff. It's not very fun. And so there is this effort piece, you know, but holding the intention of, of who you truly are and what you want to contribute to. If you work each day at that, um, you're, when you go to die, you're going to be proud of yourself. And that's an amazing thing. And if we all connect to that, we're going to synergize with each other and help each other. Because once you're doing it, all you want for other people is for them to be able to do that too. You're a fucking beautiful light shower, brother. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Your book is Zen Athlete. Yeah. So you can get Zen Athlete. And there's, um, if you go to my website, there's a, I have a soul compass course. I recommend people go through that because it's, you can get it with, uh, I, I have to move all my, I've been like SOS, all my stuff is kind of in-house now. So anything that I make, you can literally just ask me and I'll give it to you. But there's a soul compass course and the quantum heart hypnosis. Those two things, the only reason that they're created is to help you figure out who you are and what you want to do. You're like unique signature. So you friggin' know without a doubt, without a question and how to create it. Not, you don't have to go through a 54,000 step process and do some sort of crazy thing. It's very simple and it's effective, just like martial arts, right? Like it's got to work. You know, if I want strong legs, like go do squats. That's not that complicated. Squats get you some strong ass legs. Hell yeah, brother. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll link to your website and everything in the show notes. Uh, you're off all the other socials, correct? So there's no, no other place to link you, but tell us about your podcast where people can listen to you more. Yes, yeah, so the lead of me. I bet on like Instagram. I bet uh, Telegram. You can find me. There's a new app, Sue, that I'm on. <laughs> They're all kind of sprouting up. So that's the good thing too. You know, disengage from that system as much as you can. But I was forcefully disengaged, so I'm just rolling with it. And um, yeah, MattBaylor.com is the best way to find the podcast. It's got 420 episodes, and uh, I'm gonna have to put a lot of them in house because of the censorship craziness. And I'm my goal has always been to interview you know, the leaders in consciousness, spirituality, and personal development. And now, obviously, that's going into the leaders of who knows what's going on in the world, who is working towards building the planet um, in a better way that is actually harmonious. So some of it I'm going to go into where it's solutions, right? And some of it's like, hey, this is just the lion, right? The lion is terrifying when you don't know what it is, right? Same with like the cabal and all that kind of stuff. It's terrifying when you don't understand it. But then when you're like, okay, that's where the lion lives. I'm going to move over here and build this because this is what I want. I'm going to find other people who align with that and have the same values. We can go do that and we, we can be far away from that threat, right? And that's kind of what's happening. People are getting together. And so we need to be that individual ourselves and do our own work and then decide what we want to contribute to, how we want to build this. Because on the other side of this, if we get to the other side in the right way, it's going to be the most beautiful thing, but we're going to build it from scratch. I don't think it's going to be... Um, easy, but I think it's going to be worth it. Just like, like, you know, again, from martial arts, you know, to get a lot of cardio to go a five round fight or a three round fight, that's not fun stuff. It's terrible, right? But it's worth it. You, you grow, you feel better. And that's part of being human. It's that challenge. So let's uh, work towards something that's meaningful. So at the end of the day, when you rest your head, you're proud of yourself and you're the only one who can figure out what you need to do to get there. Fuck yeah. Thank you so much, Brett. I've, I, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on brother. And uh, we'll do it again for sure. Sounds good, man. It's so great to connect that I'll have to get you on my show. So I appreciate you and what you're doing and your intention to put out, um, you know, good information and, and actually show up. You know what I mean? So a uh, big, big love and appreciation to you as well and to all the listeners. Beautiful, brother. 